It's a disservice to your kids. You think you're helping them, but really it's it's kind of enabling them not to have to be on their own, right? And we want to give them, like, I think that's kind of the push-pull, right? Because we want to be able to give them so much and give them even more than what we had and have, you know, not have to worry about those things. But also they need to learn those important lessons because I don't want my kids, I don't know about y'all, I don't want my kids living here forever. <laughs> Eventually, I would love for them to get out and fly and have their own lives and support themselves. That's kind of what, what one of the main ultimate goals of being a parent, I feel like, is, right? So we have to start teaching. We talk about that all yeah. the time. <laughs> We've got to start teaching those lessons. I want you to come back at Christmas, Mother's yeah. Day, for Sunday dinners, and, but not to live. Hello, and welcome to Sense of Responsibility. I'm Alec Lindenauer, a certified financial planning professional, husband, and chief allowance officer to two daughters. I'm also the creator of the Sense of Responsibility tools and how-to instruction parents need to raise their children into financially literate, money-savvy adults, even if they don't know much about finance themselves. I'm Julie Franz, a chef entrepreneur at heart, wife, and mother of two middle school children. I also curate the Sense of Responsibility community so parents have a forum to ask questions, share success stories, and discuss their journeys. As a financial newbie myself, I'm also cultivating our group support system to help carve out my own family's path toward financial literacy. Hello again, core parents and caregivers. Welcome back to the How to Teach Your Kids About Money podcast by your friends here at Sense of Responsibility. This is our 17th episode and yet another one that we're super proud of. Today, we're going to dig in deep with Jamie Troll. You're going to hear me do a formal introduction for Jamie, but for the moment, just know she's A, a rock star, and B, especially when it comes to helping small business owners master their finances, even if that's not their forte. And well, for most, we know that it isn't. As an entrepreneur herself and also as a mom, Jamie's newest offering has an interesting crossover to our mission, which is, of course, to give parents the easy-to-use tools they need to teach their kids about money. Jamie has just launched an entire toolkit dedicated to parents formally hiring and paying their children, even the very little ones. Yes, like even kindergarten little. Julie and I were eager to hear all about that program, but also the after part, meaning here's this money boss mom paying her kids and helping others do that too, but then what's happening in her house once the kids have money? As always, our goal is to make this as actionable and as usable as possible, so we really wanted to have Jamie explain what goes on in her house like we're sitting there at her kitchen table. So with that, I present to you our 17th episode with a reminder that the best place to start your sense of responsibility money teaching journey is on our website at www.senseofresponsibility.com slash resources. And of course, that's sense spelled C-E-N-T-S. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and check out our course offerings. In the meantime, teach sensibly and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everybody. Julie, I am excited to introduce you to and meet and introduce to our listeners, Jamie Troll today. Jamie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It, it really is a pleasure. Welcome, All right, so, so Julie, Jamie 
worked in corporate finance for many years, Fortune 500 companies, more than one of them. And about five years ago, she added the title entrepreneur to CPA, master's, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other titles too. Uh, But today, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, your work life generally consists of helping entrepreneurs master the numbers in their business because you want to help them improve their profits, increase their financial literacy, help with tax strategy, and basically in a roundabout way, help improve their comfort with their numbers so that they can create process around them so that they're sort of taking advantage of the numbers as opposed to maybe the numbers taking advantage of them in a way. Um, Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. And of course, your wife, mother of two, so that's your Mm -hmm. family. And according to Trina, which is how we're all meeting here today, actually, um, what she said in her definition of why you kick ass, Jamie, is she says, you're relatable and down to earth. She trusts your advice as a financial professional for entrepreneurs. And she likes your course a lot because it made her feel empowered with knowledge. So I thought you would want to hear that. Thank you, Trina, <laughs> who's probably listening to this. I, I'm sure um, she is. Yeah, I, I loved having Trina as a part of the program. And that is that is exactly what I do. I really focus mainly on serving small business owners, a lot of them, but not exclusively women. And really just, I have a passion for numbers. And I noticed coming out of the corporate world that, you know, that was an area that a lot of business owners just didn't feel super comfortable with. And so that was something that I could absolutely help with. So I don't do your typical, I am a CPA, but I'm not really the tax and, 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 you know, bookkeeping person that you want, but I'm more kind of the strategy side of money, the profit side of money, um, helping you come up with strategies to be able to make and keep more money in your business. So that's what I love to do. And that's who I love to teach. Excellent. Somebody has to love to do that. Right? I know. <laughs> and you're in high demand because everybody needs more money. So Exactly. It's it's a useful thing to be good at, I guess. <laughs> so our impetus for meeting today is your hiring your kids toolkit, which is great for the business owner, great for the child. And we're going to dig into that a lot later. But for the moment, so Jamie, I glossed over your entire professional life in 30 seconds. You added some. Is there anything that we must know today before we start digging into your, your house and your kids and all of that good stuff? Oh, goodness. I mean, it's been like most entrepreneurs, I would say it's been a wild ride. (laughs) I'd love to say that my entire, that I had a master plan to be doing what I'm doing now. But honestly, at the beginning of this, I left corporate when my daughter was born, actually. So she's six now. So we're going kind of into, into that, you know, year six and a half of, of being out of the corporate world, which was a little bit of an adjustment for anybody else that's done that. It is, you know, a, a different world out there when you kind of decide to go out on your own. And I'd love to say that I knew what I was going to do, but honestly, I just wanted to help make an income for my family. We had moved our family from Atlanta to Tennessee, which is home for me. And I really wanted to do something that I had a little bit more freedom, more flexibility, and would feel like I was a little bit more maybe connected to from a purpose perspective. And I really did start doing kind of anything and everything to help small businesses around here and started out service-based as most you know businesses do. It's the easiest thing to get into and then found a love of teaching along the way. I never thought I'd be a teacher. My, my sister's an actual teacher in elementary school. <laughs> and here I am now um, a teacher for business owners, which I have just really found that passion that I didn't even know was there. It just kind of, kind of happened and I'm glad that it did. (laughs) 
That's amazing. So your daughter's six and a half and Miles, who mm-hmm. we all met, I mean, the world met on YouTube, uh, we know is <laughs> nine. Um, so yep. what are they like? Oh, I completely different. <laughs> so you've seen Miles. Miles has been, he's been in the videos. Um, he loves to do that kind of thing. He has his own YouTube channel as well, but he is, he's my little sponge. I would say like, he is the kid that wants to know everything about everything. Um, my daughter is my spitfire. She is wild. <laughs> she is crazy. She is, uh, <laughs> motivated. She is, she is me, <laughs> which I'm told that, you know, my mother at least tells me that someday I'll be happy for that spirited energy. But right now as a mother, you know, <laughs> sometimes I wish she'd tone it down just a little. <laughs> so they're, they're very different ends of the spectrum, but I, uh, I, I, couldn't couldn't ask for two better kids. Um, Nora, it'll be a little bit before she's probably on. She's a little bit more of a wild card, so I'm not sure about her making her YouTube <laughs> debut just yet. <laughs> I definitely want to dig into her understanding of money. Um, I know we, we got a little sense of it from, from Miles, but obviously people listening to this aren't going to know either, so definitely want you to go into that. But um, let's first talk a little bit about the Hiring Your Kids Toolkit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I'd like to give everyone a frame of reference so we can dig into all the ways hiring your kids can help with our mission, which is giving parents the tools they need to teach their kids about money. So there's obviously a lot of correlation there. Yeah. And I'd say this really kind of was born out of, I make a lot of different tools for business owners. Oftentimes they're born out of questions people ask or, you know, things like that. And sometimes there's just things that I'm going through. So I'm pretty passionate about teaching kids about money. That's just been something kind of, it's not what I do. It's not the core of what I do, but you know, as a mom and as, you know, a CPA and a money person who learned a lot of lessons really early on, it's something that I know is so beneficial. The earlier, I love what you guys are doing because the earlier you start this, I mean, that's really what it's all about is the time. And the more kids we can give those skills to, the better. So there's so much about hiring your kids. Obviously there's there's the um, benefit from a business owner standpoint, purely business owner standpoint of, okay, I get a tax write-off. I basically get to, you know, move some of my income to a lower slash potentially no tax bracket, right? Which is fantastic. But then also in the middle of that, right? You get to also have the opportunity to really teach your kids about money, to teach them about having a job before maybe they could have a job out in the, in the real world. If you're a business owner, you have that benefit of being able to hire a minor child And that's completely fine from federal uh, labor laws because there are exceptions for family businesses from federal labor laws. That doesn't mean you want to exploit children, but when your kids are working a couple hours a week with you in the office, right, you can teach them a lot. And it gives you the opportunity to kind of even ramp up what you can teach them when you're giving them an allowance. Now they have a paycheck, right? And so they have the benefit of learning how to actually manage a paycheck at a really young age. And then you get the the next benefit of kind of that generational wealth and being able to open a Roth IRA for them because now they have earned income and teaching them about compound interest and how that works. And there's just so many different avenues that I love about it. So it's a great tax strategy. Yes, a lot of people get into it because they want the tax strategy. But what I love more is just the opportunity that it creates for, you know, that relationship with you and your child, teaching your kid about money and then their own kind of wealth building starting really early. So I think our folks would be interested in some of the the, the basics, right? Because your toolkit's going to get super granular, right? But some of the basics, like yeah. <laughs> so 
how old does your child have to be? What kind of work are we really talking about? I mean, what is the, what's somebody who's hearing this for the very first time? What should they know to say, oh, this is really interesting? As you were talking, I was wondering, could that be allowance? I mean, if you are paying your child, you know, $100 a month and that is including some chores or they're able to do extra work for you, is that something that instead of just handing them, you know, $100 a month and saying this is allowance, could we start even tying that allowance into this more advanced payment structure? Um, I think that also will really tie in with our message and our um, mission to understand that, that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are some ways to do that. I, I obviously, my audience typically is more on the small business owner side of things, but that could also be if you work in a 1099 role, right? Or if you have, you know, quote unquote, a side hustle that you're bringing in money for any of those situations means that you technically are a business owner. You have, even if it's just you, a solo business that you'd be able to employ your child in. So typically you do want to have um, something like that to be able to put them on a W-2 salary, because that's one of the things, especially if one of your goals is around, um, you know, being able to shift that, that, tax bracket, right? Shift the money from what you would pay in taxes to what they would pay in taxes. Then that's going to come through in, you know, the fact that you would be paying them through a business or something, you know, similar, a sole proprietorship, something like that. But what I really love about all of this and what I have really enjoyed about really kind of diving into this world is that it was new for me too, because <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I think there's a lot of questions. I saw a ton all over TikTok, right? So to get to your question, Alec, I mean, there's there's so much advice on this and there's so much misinformation in this world. I see it all and, the time. I don't even oh understand gosh. why it is like the number one topic on my feed. I, I don't know what the algorithm thinks about me. Exactly. And and it really doesn't, the, the snippets you get on TikTok, one of the things that drives me crazy, and probably this is my CPA, you know, like, well, actually background, right, that I want to jump in and be like, oh, I want to, I want to clarify some things because it's just little sound bites. You get, you know, a minute and a half to talk about this. And it's really not giving enough information for anybody to really take action. And so then there's a lot of misinformation out there about, is this really legal? Is this just a tap, tax loophole? Or are you going to get audited? I get all those questions all the time. And the answer is, I mean, I pull down, you know, in the toolkit, I have all the IRS guidance and all of the Department of Labor guidance that show you, no, this is absolutely fine. There are guidelines for doing this. And as long as you follow the guidelines, it's completely legal and acceptable and even encouraged. So I think that's that's a mis you know a misnomer there where a lot of people I, I talk about you know hiring my nine year old and people think well that's illegal because you can't hire you know based on federal labor laws right until they're fourteen or sixteen depending on industries and things and that's true but not if you're employing them through a business that's wholly owned by a family member basically by a parent right so. There are a lot of exceptions to those rules that come in. And then people will say, well, you still have to pay FICA and unemployment taxes on them. And actually, that's not true either if you set it up correctly and if they're a minor. So there are a lot of things like that that sometimes people end up paying those taxes thinking mm. they're supposed to when they actually don't even need to. So that's one of the things I wanted to give people that step by step of okay, how do I actually do this the right way? Because I don't want to go, you know, I don't want the IRS knocking on my door. <laughs> I want to do it correctly. And of course, like this should go without saying, but you actually have to employ them. They do have to work in your business and you have to pay them something fair. 
So for the tax deduction, a lot of times the inclination will actually be to pay them more than market rate. That's what people may want to do because that gets a better tax benefit for them. Mm -hmm. There's also the other side of the coin where people might be trying to get cheap labor out of their kids, but uh, that's kind of a different (laughs) animal altogether, Right. right? So you do need to have support for what you're paying them. My child has about six different roles that I have him assigned to, and I have it all documented what he does, when he does it, where I got the pay scales for what I'm actually paying him in the business. And the great thing is they really can start early and it kind of depends on their age a little bit, what they end up doing. Obviously teenagers, you might be able to have them do more social media management, graphic design, that kind of thing, and get them some experience doing some more hands-on things in your business. But even for a younger kid, I mean, like I said, Miles was in my YouTube video. He got paid for that, (laughs) right? He's on my social media. He does reels with me. Even taking pictures for social media that you're using in your business, that Mm. is an employable, payable thing. You can put them on payroll for doing that. And that's actually a really great thing for young kids because you can pay them more than, you know, 12 bucks an hour or something like that, right? You can actually pay them a sizable amount because if you look at what the what they would get paid to do that same job for someone else, it's probably a decent amount. They're probably being paid per day or per project. So as long as you gather that support, you can really employ them in a lot of different things. So I kind of tell people to get creative. There are some businesses where it's obviously easier than others. So if you're in a a dog boarding business, well, that's that's easy, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you can have Feed your the kid dogs, doing many the dogs, things, playing right. with Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's tons of different things. And so just really think about your specific business and what you could use help with. Sometimes it's even my kids organize, right? Like that's another thing. My daughter is a great organizer. She's not on payroll yet, but when she is, that's what she's going to do for me. I already know it. I know her. (laughs) My son's getting into Canva. My question was going to be, so why is your son on the payroll and your daughter is not? Is that just age or is that skill set? It is a little bit of both. It is a little bit of both. I probably will with her. It's also demeanor a little bit. Like he is, has been excited about doing this and I want them to be excited. I don't ever want to force them into anything. Um, I don't ever want to, you know, make them come work for me. I want them to be excited about it. And so Miles is at that, at that point where he's really excited about the opportunity. I mentioned it to my daughter and she's like, nah, I'd rather go play outside with my friends. She's not really interested just yet. But now I, I also see her watching me working with him. And I think that that will be the impetus for her to eventually kind of put her hand up and say, like, I want to I want to be part of this, too. Okay. Um, but again, her role, I think, will be very, very different in, you know, the business than his is, because you really got to think about your kids and what they're good at and what they would enjoy, you know, because um, what we don't want to do is teach them to hate work. <laughs> right? right. Like this is also what I love is that I love to do what I'm doing. I think it's kind of fun. And it also gives him the opportunity to see what I do. We can connect on that a little bit more rather than just like the general mommy teaches, you know, business owners. (laughs) He can understand exactly what that means and what that looks like. And it can show him like, hey, work doesn't have to be a grind. It can actually be kind of fun. (laughs) So Julie, Jamie subscribes to a very similar philosophy uh, to us, which is, okay, when your child now has money, whether they're getting that from allowance because they're an employee of their family business, whatever it may be, that it goes into the four buckets, spend, save, invest, donate. Mm-hmm. So Jamie, I'm curious if you could tell us, tell your tell our listeners, okay, well, how did you come to that? What does that look like in your house? And how is it different now where you have one who's not getting money that they're working for versus one child, maybe they're not getting money yet, or maybe they're getting allowance, you know, how are they? So 
How, do, how are you using the, the four, we call them the buckets, but how are you using the four slots, the four yep. buckets in your house at this point? Yeah, so that's been really key to kind of the conversations that I've been having with my son about money, because I think, you, you know, there's no innate knowledge of money as a child. All you know is what you hear from the parents around you, the people around you. And I definitely was raised where my dad taught me a lot about money, but there was also quite a bit of, you know, fear of running out kind of thing in the background sometimes. And so I have wanted to kind of shift that for, you know, my kids to not be thinking of like, you know, I try to avoid saying things like we can't afford that. And instead think about like, we're not prioritizing that right now or something that is, you know, a, a little bit more of, of positive language to get them to understand that there's choices involved. It's not just, you know, well, we don't have the money for that because truth is we could buy that thing you want, but we're not going right. to. <laughs> right. right. And so I think we use the buckets. I really started talking to him about that because I wanted him to understand the different usages of money and the pros and cons to each of them. Right. And it's really kind of just something that we've we've done even without really knowing that that's what we were doing for a long time. That's how we've managed our family finances is to make sure that, you know, we're doing the giving first. We want to make sure that that is always a priority, that we're always giving back, that we're being good stewards of the money that we have and using that to help others. And then obviously when it comes to saving, we want to make sure that we're not just looking for immediate gratification. There's a little bit of that learning how to have some form of delayed gratification, right? Is there something that you want? You're going to have to save up. You're going to have to make a choice. Do I want this thing now <laughs> or do I more want this thing later, right? And I think that is such an important thing when your kid kind of gets that. And I know you guys talk about that a lot. Yeah. That is transformational right? That is transformational. And then the investing fits in there too, because that's kind of the more long-term. So we have kind of the short-term spending, kind of medium-term is your savings. And then your long-term is your investing where you can just put that money here and let it sit. And then it's going to just grow without you having to do anything. And that was the most transformational for me as a kid. The thing that I learned that I think set up this entire love for investing and money management and all of this that I got into was the idea of compound interest. And I laugh a little because I was a little lazy. <laughs> and I say that in a loving way because I'm a very hard worker. But the idea that I could put money in that just starting early, like that, that it was just time and not effort, right? That, and then combine time and effort. And now you have even, even better. But like the idea that I could use time to my advantage really stuck with me. And so instead of then the decision, even at 16 years old, 17, 18 years old, the decision of, do I want this thing for a hundred dollars or do I want to put this hundred dollars in my investment account and let it double, triple, quadruple forever, <laughs> which, which, which is more to me. And so I think again, understanding that delayed gratification for small kids I think it's easier the medium term, they can see that, but then that'll also open up their mind to understanding that, okay, wait, then if I do this over a longer period of time, look at what this could do, you know? So how old were you when that light bulb went off about compound interest? 17. I read, I actually have it here because I got it. My dad recently dropped this off to me. The first book I read about finances was Smart Women Finish Rich when it just came out. I believe it was when it just came out. Um, David Bach, I was 17 years old 
And I have the whole thing is highlighted. I mean, if you see this book, <laughs> the whole <laughs> entire thing is highlighted. And I have this distinct memory of this time value of money chart. And I literally showed this to my son. And, and I think one of the things too is knowing your kids. So you mentioned right. like our uh, my different kids, right? My son is nine, but he can sit and see what this chart means, which is basically like, you know, okay, if I invested $2,000 between the age of 19 and 26 and then stopped forever, right? So that's what, eight years or seven years. So you're investing $14,000. You would you would make a million dollars by the time you're 65. Or, right, and this is where it's important to see the, the difference. Like that's amazing in and of itself. But then to see that, okay, if I started at 27 and basically spent 38 years contributing the exact same amount, right? And this assumes 10%, you know, all that. But right. that's almost 40 years of contributing. It's $80,000 instead of 14. I'd make, I'd have $800,000. I'd have $200,000 less. And so it just shows like this, this is when, because the first age it had on this chart was 19. And I was 17 when I read it. And I was like, mm. how much more would I make if I started now? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I put that book down and I ran to my dad with my like shoebox of money because I didn't even have a savings account, but I had money. Um, I squirreled away all, I have tons of stories of just squirreling away money from lunch money and birthday money and all the money. Um, my parents didn't even know I had it. And I'm like, dad, I want to invest this. <laughs> and I had a part-time job. So I was able to go and open up a Roth IRA when I was 17 and start contributing to it. Um, wow. Self-motivated. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, I guess. That's incredible. Yeah, that <laughs> or lazy. Or lazy, right? It's a little <laughs> bit of both. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's lazy. That is not a word I would use for this uh, <laughs> example. I wear smart. it like a badge of honor. I mean, it, it leads to innovation. We'll say that. Yeah. There you go. Agreed. Uh, so then, so what is what are you doing with your daughter as far as allowance yeah. money since she's not working, and and also with Miles? Is Miles getting allowance on top of his his not W two income or his W two income? I don't. You're the tax expert, so I don't know how that's classified. Yep. Yep. So he, so he does, he does continue to get an allowance, but not, I'm, I've cut it down for the summer because I'd rather more of that go through the business because that's going to be better tax wise. But sure. he does, he gets about an $8 a week allowance that still, you know, we can sit down and talk about, and that automatically goes into the different buckets for him. So he knows he has percentages that he puts in for different things. Um, this will be different with paying him via paycheck because he's getting more. So we need to kind of refigure out. We haven't done that yet. Mm. Um, he's actually just getting his first paycheck is coming into his account this week. He's been asking me constantly about it. <laughs> okay, wait, Jamie, hold on, slow down, because I think this is very yeah. interesting. So so yeah. let's just talk about a month ago, and then let's talk about yes. what you're going to do. So a month ago, you would sit down and you'd say, okay, here's your allowance. So it, you would do this weekly or yeah. So is we do it with weekly? an app. Okay. So we use Greenlight. That's his account. So he okay. gets it automatically. As long as he does his chores, he gets his automatic allowance of $8 a week. And then it will automatically go into those four buckets. And we had set them at one point. I don't even remember what they are anymore, but I think he gets 50% spent anywhere and the rest goes through the other three. Um, okay. And he owns even stocks in the app that he has. So he has this, he, he owns Roblox. He bought one share of Roblox. It was the first thing that he bought. <laughs> and, um, 
he bought it six months ago and he's up 50%, which is both a great lesson and also kind of a terrible lesson because <laughs> now he just assumes that that's what happened. <laughs> that just, you know, your money grows exponentially the second that you put it in. So we've had to have lots of conversations about how that doesn't always happen that way, but that's great. You know, Definitely better to have that yeah. conversation than the look, you don't always lose half of it right in the beginning. So better exactly. to have that that's conversation. Really that's, true. that's true. Cause he has been because of that, He's been adding more to that investment money that he wants to put in, which is really neat to see. So, and now right. we've been getting more into the conversations around, okay, well, there's also other things like ETFs, right? Rather than, you know, individual stocks, here's how you can buy a bunch of stocks. So that's led to a lot of great conversations that we've been able to have. So yes, he was doing that with his kind of $8 a week, buying little partial shares and things. And now he's going to have more money. Um, so he gets his first paycheck, which is actually, you know, fairly large because he did a lot for me in the month of June. And a lot of it was um, on camera things that have a higher, you know, paycheck. So what's happening with that is he's getting about $100 total. And then the rest of the money, which, you know, is about $850. So is the total I'm paying him. The $750 will come out of his account and go into his Roth IRA. Um, so that's kind of the plan. And he's super psyched about it. Right. <laughs> he's just amazed he gets $100 right now, right? Like sure. that's a lot of money for him. Sure. So um, he is totally fine with the rest of it going. And I just, I've told him like, hey, this is for your future and I'm going to invest it for you. And he's like, great. Um, so, that's so then kind this of, automatically is, goes, so the $100 follows the same formula in Greenlight. Fifty. So $50 mm -hmm. is going to go into his spend. And then the 50 divided by the three others, whatever 50 divided by three is, is going to go into the other three areas automatically. Yeah. We'll probably kind of sit down and decide if he wants to keep that structure or what he wants to do. I'm imagining he probably wants, um, just knowing what he likes to save for. Everybody has kind of... Yeah, well, the Lamborghini, yes, that was his very first, his very first spending uh, or savings goal was a Lamborghini. <laughs> but the other things like his frame of reference for money, because it's really interesting to find out what your kid's frame of reference is for money, because everybody has one, right? It's dinners out or how, you know, whatever his is video games. So he knows a Nintendo game is $60. So everything is pegged to that $60 in his head. And that's like his right. decision making point. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, so yeah. so that's your son. So now tell us about your daughter. So how does is she does oh, she man. use green light at six and a half? Is she still with cash? Not yet. We're still with cash, but we're trying to fish. She's got a piggy bank, which works to some degree, but I think she's still um she is still the conversations that we have had with her, she's not super interested in it as of yet, right? She's she's one of those who cares about money when she uh when she like has somebody and wants something, then she cares about money. But the other, I mean, this just shows where we're at with her on money. So she had made some money. I think she got it from her grandparents or something like that. So she had a $20 bill and I walked upstairs the other day and that $20 bill, she had shredded all over the floor. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I was like, Oh, so she's a, she, yeah, she's a little bit of a different animal. She doesn't really understand. She also loves to like give away things that she has, which is very sweet, but I'm also kind of like, okay, but <laughs> you know, let's think about, she doesn't really have that future, you know, foresight yet. So one of the things we've been doing instead for her thus far, but instead of giving her money that might end up shredded on the ground is we are using a point system for her. 
So what we're doing is we do points for behavior, um, and that works really well for her to where she gets a certain amount of points. If she behaves well, if she does certain things, you know, goes to bed on time, you know, gets all her homework done, all that kind of stuff. And um, then she can trade those points in for things. So she can mm. trade them in for money. She can trade that, that she can then use to go buy the things she wants to buy or something like that. So that's actually helping her because she can't hold on to it herself, <laughs> mm, <laughs> but she right. understands the point system. So, yeah. So I'm hoping I can kind of pull that on over when she's ready, you know, to talk about actual currency. <laughs> How did you come to that? Is that something you devised by yourself that you read about somewhere? That was 100% trial and error. <laughs> Seeing wow. what worked for her, what were, what was working for her in class, because she it also was largely due to just trying to get a handle on behavior things too, right? So it kind of was um, a way to to kill two birds with one stone. We could teach her a little bit about earning money, but for her, it's really less about chores and more about her own behavior right now. Uh, but I think she will, and she is getting interested and and things like that, but... You know, we had a conversation, gosh, two nights ago at the dinner table. My son and I were talking about taxes and the reason for taxes and the different kind of taxes we pay. Meanwhile, my daughter's just running around the table. So, <laughs> so I think you got to treat them each differently. Meet them where they are. Don't force them into, you know, a mold. And then you can always kind of, you know, massage that as they get older and figure out how to have those conversations differently. Absolutely. I one of the things that I tell parents is that, you know, however you can teach your kids about money consistently, that's the right way. Don't worry about, am I doing this correctly? Like, are you doing it consistently? Yeah. Are you trying? Yeah. Perfect. That's perfect if you're for doing your house. It, you're already ahead. Right. You know, if you're consistently teaching your kids about money at all, having conversations about it, you are already ahead of 95% of the people and the parents out there. Um, you're already giving them that head start. So you got to start somewhere and I, I just love having those conversations. I think sometimes it's just opening it up for the conversation and listening to the questions that they ask <laughs> is my favorite part because my son will come up. I mean, he, we were talking about taxes and, you know, I was asking, what do you think they're used for? And so we were talking about what taxes are typically used for and roads and schools. And he was like, well, can't the government just print more money? Which <laughs> is a really are. great question. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right, let's get, yeah, let's. And then I'm like, how oh, I'm crossing into like economics and inflation, <laughs> like how much, but, but he really, you know, kind of let them guide the conversation and see where they're at because my son cannot stand it. If I give him a, a blanket answer, like he wants me to answer him you know, with, with the real answer. And then he'll ask me follow-up questions when he doesn't, if he doesn't understand. Right. And so that works really well for him. So I, I'm very big on letting them kind of run that conversation and asking them what they think, right. Letting Absolutely. them verbalize what they think about it is really beneficial because you can see kind of how their mind is working and then you can kind of give your own, you know, um, you know, expertise into that as well. Absolutely. Um, one of the tools actually that I've recommended to a lot of parents, you know, if they don't know what to do with that, I mean, you're, you're sort of a born teacher, you're taught self-taught in so many different areas of finance and accounting. So knowing the answers to those questions is a little bit easier for you. And you have this natural yeah. talent to communicate that to your children. But one of the best tools that I've found to, for parents is chat GPT. If your kid asks you that question, you know, why can't the government just print more money? 
you can ask ChatGPT and say, and explain it to me. So explain it to me like I'm a seven-year-old. If it's still too complicated, now explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. Do it in only 150 words until you get the answer that your child can understand. It's an amazing tool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of using AI for things like that. And then we learn too. Like, honestly, (laughs) the amount of things I have learned, because I've done the same thing, trying to explain things to my kids or figure out how to a way to word something. And I feel like it's really beneficial to solidify. Sometimes we think we understand something, but then when we're asked to explain it, I'm like, oh goodness, how <laughs> how right. would how would you explain economics to a nine-year-old? And then you realize how little you actually maybe really know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know a lot. Uh, okay, so where are you struggling, if at all, with your kids and teaching them about money? Oh my, I mean, I think that, the difficult thing is with with now bringing my son on board to work with him. He was very excited at the time, but then when I when I am like, okay, it's time to work, that's when if it's not something he wants to do at that very moment, that's a hard thing. If he doesn't want to talk about it at that very moment, that's a hard thing. So it's really difficult to manage through that when I'm like, I have this period of time set out for this. And he wants to do something completely different, you know? And so I think that's been the challenge is harnessing, finding those times where I have his attention (laughs) and where I can really kind of put it into him without him getting distracted or, you know, disengaged or wanting to do something else or feeling like he's, you know, frustrated with the whole thing, right? I want it to be fun for him. I don't want it you know, and working with me, I don't want him to be like, oh, I got to do that. I want it to be fun, but it is some work too, right? So it's understanding, like you said you were going to do this. You need to follow through on this commitment, which isn't something that at at his age, he's had to do a lot of, which is another great lesson, but I'm the one who's having to enforce it, which is not a ton of fun. (laughs) So where I have these ideas of like this, you know, it's going to be amazing and we're going to work together and we're, you know, I have all these like delusions of grandeur, I still am dealing with the whiny kid who doesn't want to get off of his Nintendo to come do the thing that I'm paying him to do. <laughs> yeah. Julie, we can relate, right? Very much. Yep. Yeah. Right. I mean, I get it. I totally get it, but it is, that is one of the bigger struggles. I've had to switch a little bit of my own expectations as well around that to say like, look, you know, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be challenging times with it, but it's still worth it to do, you know? And, and what about your daughter? What are your challenges with her? Or I know you said some things that were already challenges. Anything else come to mind? I mean, she is just a wild card herself. So I think the biggest <laughs> thing the with challenge. her, she is the challenge. Yes, she is. She, she is the challenge. And, you know, it's really <laughs> figuring out with her. Honestly, the biggest challenge is I just need to keep her fed. <laughs> Usually when she's upset, she just needs a snack. So that, that I'm, I'm learning, you know, quickly is most of the time it's just in need of a snack. Um, but she is, she's just a different animal. And so I think it's just adjusting to the fact that my kids are different. Your six-year-old daughter reminds me a lot of my 14-year-old son. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. It's funny to see. I, I think every, every household has one of those right? And it's just a completely different approach. So whereas I've figured out what works with one kid, it still feels like pulling your hair out, trying to figure out what's going to work with the other kid, right? So I think that's the biggest challenge is just adapting 
and trying to figure out like, okay, that was great. I'm patting myself on the back. Look at what a great mom I am. And now I'm like, oh, but I'm totally failing over here. (laughs) It's not working over here. Right. But there will be something else that will come up. I'm going to listen to this podcast more and get some more ideas for how to teach her. (laughs) Well, I do have one for you if you're you're open to it. Please. Sure. So this is in regards to the investment realm because yeah. we're all in the same same philosophy, right? It's okay, get them involved young, teach them young, as young as you, you can, the better. So what I find, and, and you probably do the same, is when you're talking to parents that it's the spend, save, and donate, right? They're usually focusing on those. The fourth, the invest is tougher for some people, I think, because they don't understand investment. But two, there's really just not as many places to say, okay, well, what strategy should I use or not? So in our course, How to Teach Your Kids About Money, the uh, elementary starter, and this is what I did, like you, tried and tested it in my house, was I needed a way to get my kids super excited about compounding interest from when they were very, very young. So my oldest daughter started in, I think, third grade and my youngest when she was in kindergarten. And so we had, we graduated from the piggy bank because our knuckles were, were all bloodied. Um, so we got mm-hmm. buckets, which is why we still call them buckets. Um, and in the invest bucket, my rule was, okay, you must put something in each of the four buckets. I didn't care how much, totally expecting them to really just put a penny in, in the give, but it never actually happened that way. It was like all pretty judicious. But whatever they put in the investment bucket, the very first step of our allowance day is we would take out everything in there and I would pay them a 5% interest rate on that. Mm. So then the base goes back in, but they got that on top of their allowance. So they got this interest amount and they were like, Ooh, they were super interested in ways that they could make money outside of, like you said, it's, it's time and not effort. So this was me telling them, look, this is your money doing the work. So from a very, very young age, they got excited about investing. Once they got $500 in that bucket, then I said, okay, now let's, let's talk about actual investments. What are those? Mm -hmm. So feel free to use that if that's helpful for you. I love that. We're still with her, you know, she's got her, it's a sloth piggy bank. So I guess it's a sloth bank, (laughs) but with her, she does like to count it. So that's one of the things she really enjoys doing is taking it out and counting it. We still struggle even a little bit with the like, okay, she's going to trade, you know, five penny, like a quarter for five pennies because she thinks the five pennies is is better. Right. And so it's, we're still in that, in that zone of like, okay, how do we really, she doesn't have that anchoring. And right now we're trying to anchor her a little bit to understanding, okay, hers, my son is, is Nintendo games. That's what he anchors everything to. My daughter is Hot Wheels cars, which are like a dollar, right? So it's almost easier because I'm like, this is five Hot Wheels cars, right? So she has to really understand. And again, she didn't understand the $20 she had. She didn't really fully understand that $20 is a heck of a lot more than 10 pennies, right? <laughs> like it's 20 Hot Wheels cars. And right. when I told her it was 20 Hot Wheels cars, she just shredded on the ground. Then she cried. <laughs> so not that I was trying to make her, but I think, you know, had she had that recognition ahead of time, she probably wouldn't have done it. So I think sometimes with the younger kids, it's just like it is that understanding they don't have my, my daughter has no delayed gratification yet. She can't, she can't quite get there, but she, she will. It's <laughs> magical when it happens. Otherwise we're going to have a whole host of other problems. On our hands. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is very true, but boy, is it magical when it happens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, That's and true. what is Miles saving for now? Uh, he doesn't have a specific 
one, I think there's one Nintendo game he wants to get that's next. He had gotten his um, Crested Gecko. That was the big thing. So that was his, for uh, his Julie. birthday. We had yes. We yeah. need to hear the story about the gecko. Julie, they have a lizard, lizard and gecko. I mean, this is <laughs> so, okay. Yes, All right, go ahead. And it is rip. not cheap to keep this lizard alive. Oh my gosh. I, we have, oh yeah, we went through three frogs. We don't do well here with pets that are not like dogs are, do great. They live forever, but anything else, not so much. But he really, <laughs> really wanted this gecko and it was a hundred dollars for this gecko and we were not, we were not interested. We just got a puppy last year. We're like, we don't need another pet. But I told him like, Hey, okay. When my, when I was young, when I was 10 years old, my parents told me that I could buy a dog for my birthday, but I had to buy it. <laughs> Little did my parents know, like we literally, we looked, we went and got the, um, the, at the time, right. It was like the white pages or whatever, like the classified oh, yeah. ads. <laughs> so we went to the classified ads and they had golden retriever puppies for $120. And they thought it was going to take me like a year to, you know, make this, this is 1992. You so, took out the right? shoebox like, and you're like, look what I'm yeah, right, yeah. So I go, I go come, I come downstairs in my shoebox literally. And I'm like, here, I got 120. Let's go. And we got a dog that weekend. They were like, well, we learned our lesson. So I tried the same thing this time. I'm like, okay, he's nine. He can save up for this gecko, $100. Um, and he had just spent most of his money. So he, on various different things, so it was a good way to get him to think about a little bit more long-term. Like, okay, do I want this thing over here or do I want to put it towards the gecko? Um, and he really did. I said, we'll buy all the stuff with it, which of course is like three times as much as the actual gecko. <laughs> but we'll nice. buy... All the, you know, all the things that go for it for your birthday, but you have to buy the actual gecko. And I think that is such a great lesson because every time he made money, whether it was for his birthday money or for anything, his allowance, he got to think like, hey, what do I want to do with this? And during that time, he put a lot more of it towards that savings goal instead of the spend now. And that was his choice. But he just decided that that was more important to him. So I think, again, like it's not too dissimilar to how we work, even as adults. When we have a specific goal in mind, it's a lot easier to save than for like nebulous, you know, retirement someday is very hard at times. But if you're like, oh, I want to go on this trip. And if I have enough money to go on this trip in six months, it's a lot easier to make those decisions. So I think um, that's a really good foundation for kids. And that was really good for him to understand and have to wrestle with every yep. time he had a dollar. Absolutely. He's like, man, what do I do with this? And he had to think about it. Um, and most of the time he chose to save it. Sometimes he didn't, but that's fine. At least he was making that decision intentionally, right? Exactly. It's about that experiential learning. And sometimes the experience is just the struggle, right? It's the, it's the yeah. climb. It's should I do this or should I do that? That is exactly what, what we want them to do. Yeah. It, uh, it yeah. really made me think a lot about what we've termed base modeling. A lot of what I do with my kids and they say, oh, I want this. And I say, okay, well, you know, granted, I'm going to get these sneakers. You need them. And I want you to, you know, fit in to some extent. Uh, oh, but you want that. I'll pay for the base model. You're on your own, anything after that. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So is it very expensive, Julie, for the bearded dragon? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just the dragon, right? It's the ongoing feeding of the dragon and the trips to PetSmart to get the live crickets and the live worms. And then the lights are always going out and those lights are very expensive. And then the electricity to keep those lights on all the time. We have... Um, 
you know, an automatic switch on, switch off that we have to constantly make sure that's working. The lizard got sick one time. It cost maybe $600 in vet fees and medications and x-rays. And then it was like, how worth it is this lizard? Well, you know, it's my son's pet that he's really gotten attached to. So it's, it's also the ongoing maintenance. And I think that's an important lesson, you know, to kind of start weaving in there too. Like, all right, well, you bought the gecko, we bought all the stuff, but now how much is it costing us over the course of the year to keep this animal alive? And how much do you want to put into that? So that gets tricky too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the hard thing that we haven't figured out how to handle yet. (laughs) How long have you had the gecko? Yeah. We've had, uh, just since February, okay. just since February. So we've been, he takes care of it. He feeds it. He does, he does all the things for it, but we're still getting the food for it. We're still doing all of that stuff. So I think eventually there will probably be maybe a piece from his allowance or whatever that goes towards that. Um, but it is true. Thankfully we haven't had him get sick. That does not sound fun. I would have a hard time paying $600 <laughs> right. for, for the gecko. How much is a gecko? <laughs> A hundred bucks. Oh, you said a hundred bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You say, all right, son, we can fix this gecko or we can get six new ones. <laughs> what do you want to do? Exactly. <laughs> Let's hope the six uh, don't get sick then. <laughs> right, right, right. Got it. Gosh, I love the idea of giving some expenses to them also because, again, the experiential learning, like my daughter pays for her Apple Care. So, you know, $10 a month, you have to pay that. That's that's your thing. So this is getting giving them practice, paying bills. I, I've told this story actually on, on the podcast before. Um, I was amazed. This was, I think, very early in the year. I was at Nordstrom and I was standing there at the register actually returning something. And there were three workers there. They were all in their 20s. And one of them said to the other, like, well, I don't know. I never paid my bills before. I just had to pay my first bill. And the other one said, oh, I know, me too. And I, I was like, Sorry, you guys, I don't mean to pry, but I help parents teach their kids about money. And I just, I just, if it's, a, if tell me if I'm butting in, but did you just say that you've never paid a bill before and this is your very first time? And so we started talking about that. And sure enough, there were three people, they were like all between 21 and 25 and had never, ever paid a, a bill before. So yeah, give and them that's, that practice. That's just now. a disservice. Yeah. I mean, it's a disservice to your kids. You think you're helping them, but really it's, it's kind of enabling them not to have to be on their own. Right. And we want to give them, like, I think that's kind of the push pull, right? Because we want to be able to give them so much and give them even more than what we had and have, you know, not have to worry about those things, but also they need to learn those important lessons because I don't want my kid. I don't know about y'all. I don't want my kids living here forever. Eventually, I would love for them to get out and fly and have their own lives and support themselves. That's kind of what what one of the main ultimate goals of being a parent, I feel like, is, right? So we have to start teaching. We talk about that all yeah. the time. We've got to start teaching those lessons. I want you to come back at Christmas, Mother's yeah. Day, for Sunday dinners, and, but not to live. And my big goal, one of the big goals I have, too, as a parent is – something that I was very, very lucky. And I recognize how lucky I was to have parents who were able to, um, you know, I had a, a education that they paid for. I did not have to take out loans, which was amazing. I didn't have a car loan. They helped me get to get a car. So I was able to graduate college with a degree, uh, and a master's degree, which part of it I worked for, right? Like part of it, I worked through college to put myself through, but they also supplemented the rest of that and no debt. 
And that, you know, starting at least at zero is so much better than starting in the negative. And that's one of the goals I have for my kids is to teach them about money and then give them kind of that clean slate to say, you know, now you go, now this is on you, but you know, I don't want you digging yourself out of anything at the age of 22, hopefully if, if I can. Right. Um, and I think that that's something that's really ingrained and my husband is the same way. We really want to give them the tools they need, right. To succeed and then set them up for success. But then it, but then we, they got to go, they got to do it. (laughs) Right. Are you teaching them actively about debt now in some way? Yeah. So I've taught my son because now we're talking about interest. So we've talked quite a bit about, okay, well, debt is where you take, you know, you get money, but then you pay it back with interest. So you end up paying more or investing is the opposite where, you know, you are using your money to invest and then you're getting the interest. And so he's kind of seeing like, you can be the, be the lendy or the lender and the Mm -hmm. difference between those things. And he's like, well, why would you why would you want to borrow and then pay back more? Wouldn't you just invest? And I'm like, well, yeah, but it, it's harder to do that, right? That's a harder, it takes more discipline. It takes, you know, a lot more effort to do that. But I think he understands like, oh, well, I would rather my money grow than pay, you know, more <laughs> to borrow money. But of course, you know, and I think that's one of the things I think I heard in one of the podcasts I listened to from y'all about, um, about signing up for credit cards at, at college. Right. That's how I got my first credit <laughs> that was card. My yeah. husband. Right. <laughs> that wasn't me. Thankfully, that was my husband. He went to like four different booths, got all the t-shirts for signing up for credit cards. And exactly. so it, he just really didn't, that wasn't something that they talked about a lot. Right. And so he had all these credit cards. They didn't even know what credit cards he had when we got married. So I had to sort through that to begin with. Um, <laughs> the thing that drove me crazy was when he had a credit score, like five points higher than mine. A few years ago, we bought our house that drove me nuts. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so you know, that was his experience. But I want, again, like I want my kids to know, like walking on to that to say like, nope, (laughs) I'm good. I don't need, you know, I don't need the (laughs) t-shirt. I'll go buy myself a t-shirt. Thank you very much. (laughs) Exactly. It's a crime. I mean, it really is. It's it's, it's awful. So I know our our time is is winding down. I have a, a couple of last questions for you. This one is maybe the most important. Okay. All right. Well, so you had Miles on your YouTube channel and you said to him, this is perhaps your favorite guest ever. I would like to know who are the other contenders for that title if your son isn't your favorite. Well, I had my husband on once. That is fair. My husband's been on once. My best friend's (laughs) been on a couple of times, but I'm still proud. I'm going to give it to Miles. I'm going to give it to Miles. (laughs) He's at least in your top two, right? He's at least in the top two, at least. Okay, okay. (laughs) All right. Where can listeners go? This is an important one also. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and also about the toolkit? Yeah. So jamietroll.com. It's tr- it's troll like troll, but with a U. <laughs> so that's the best way to describe it. Okay. So jamietroll.com. Or you can just search me on YouTube. That's where I have some of the videos with Miles. Um, and some of my content starting in the month of June has been quite a bit around um, this, this hiring your kids and teaching your kids about money. Um, just because it's something that I enjoy. And I, I, I'm so glad that we got connected too, because it's exactly you know, where my head has been the last like couple of months and, um, just Same. a passion that I have had for a while. So I'm excited to have found a new podcast and listening to, you know, yours as well. Excellent. Thank you. And really if for everybody, you have to check out Jamie's YouTube channel. And I say to you, Jamie, congratulations, because 
it's hard to do. It's hard to get a, a nice following. You've done that, but it's more than just the the numbers. The engagement that you have is impressive. The content is impressive. The the know how. I mean, it's all really impressive. So just congratulations. I mean, well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's super cool. Who whoever knew I'd be a YouTuber? I think it's I think it's hilarious. <laughs> As right. my son would say, like and subscribe. <laughs> Press that, what is it, smash that like button? Something like that. I don't know. Right. I'm sure if you went back apparently. five years you to think, okay, well, not only are you going to be on, but you'd be comfortable having your son on, right? It's just, it's a whole right. different mindset, a whole different everything. Completely different than when I was sitting in my office. <laughs> right. And I always like to finish with one certain question, but uh, Julie, anything that you want to ask or add before I fire away at my final question? I've just got my wheels turning now of like, what? can I have my kids do? And, um, you know, how can I tie this in? I'm a 1099, you know, we have this side hustle, um, that I work on. And then I also have my business that I'm working on. So I'm just, you've really got my wheels turning, um, in a creative way and I'd love to get this going. So I'm definitely going to look into that toolkit. Yeah. I mean, I think as ideas, you know, even starting with things like, you know, organizing, administrative, I mean, the old, the old world was all about like stuffing envelopes. Like, I don't know who stuffs envelopes anymore, but there is an equivalent of envelope stuffing probably. <laughs> but like I said, my son, my son is figuring out Canva. Like he loves getting in there and creating Canva. He does his own Canva designs. He goes a little crazy. I have to par it down a little bit, <laughs> but he's able to kind of get in and do some of that. So I mean, even some of the editing stuff he really kind of gets into. So oftentimes it has to be a pretty siloed, you know, specific sure. job at this point. But I don't think it'll be long before he'll be able to do, you know, a lot more. And so I think, you know, just kind of getting creative with anything that would be helpful, anything that you're doing that you're like, oh, data entry, right? Anything that that's taking you any time at all that's something that they can probably do for you, you know? So, and as they get older, then they, they have even more things that open, yeah, open sure. itself up to um, what they could do in your business. There's, there's tons of opportunities. I love it. Use chat GPT, ask, ask it what your kid could do. No, I'm <laughs> asking jimmytroll.com. Yeah. Yeah. No, both my kids make money. I mean, want money and they both are totally capable of doing these jobs. It's just, then I say, Oh, well you could do this. No, I don't want to do that. How about this? Nope. I don't want to do that. And it's like, okay, well <laughs> that's what's available. So it's more, I think with the teenage years, it's, uh, it's more about the motivation factor and, yes. um, getting them to connect with yep. their wants and their needs and how to, how to access that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Jamie, what words of wisdom would you give a parent who has not yet taken the plunge to teach their child about money? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just to start. I mean, we've talked about this. There's not really, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And listening to, you know, things like this are going to give you such a head start on being able to have those conversations. But just don't don't put it off, right? The earlier you start having any conversation at all, the better it's going to be. And even if it's really difficult and you feel like you're getting absolutely nowhere and you're beating your head against a wall the first several times you do it, just keep at it. Because I think that that is going to, it sinks in more than you realize. Like I think as parents, we just kind of want to give up sometimes. And then all of a sudden, two months later, my kid will regurgitate something back to me that I said to him, you know, right. then know. It's amazing. And it always blows my mind. They're listening more than we think they are. So that's the other thing too, I guess if I, I'm going to give point two is modeling it is really important too. So talking to them is one thing, but if you're regularly having arguments in front of your kids with the, your spouse about money or using language about money, like they're going to pick up whatever you actually are saying. 
and how you're actually acting um, when it comes to money. Because those things probably are even more impactful than the words that you say. So just be careful, be mindful of what you're saying. Yeah. Around your kids. And again, like if it's just, oh, money doesn't grow on trees or we can't afford that. Those things start to get internalized. And I know for me, that was something I had to work through as a business owner. When I realized that my income was entirely up to me, which meant there wasn't kind of that upper cap that you would normally get. I had a lot of trouble working through some of those, you know, oh, you know, it can't, it can't be easy to make money, right? Like that's, money is hard to make. You have to work like super duper hard all the time in order to make money. And so, you know, those are things that whatever you say around your kids, they start to think about and it'll start to frame their reference, um, you know, around how they think about money as well. Wonderful. Sage advice. Thank you again, Jamie. This was wonderful. I would like to remind everybody, like you said, smash that subscribe button, whether you're smashing it on a podcast or smashing <laughs> it on, on YouTube. Um, and you can also smash over to senseofresponsibility.com slash resources. And of course, that's C-E-N-T-S, sense. That's your best spot for parents to find, whether it's links to the blog or podcast, the different courses that we have to help parents. So hopefully you'll join us there. And of course, we close with, as always, teach sensibly, everyone. Do your best.